There are some really clever memes, cartoons, and quips on social media. A lot is said in a few lines and a picture, but when we really look closely, do they stand up to reason? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 38 of Word for the Week. We'd love to hear your opinions of this week's episode called, Dude, the Sun is Real. Well, it's great to be back after two weeks. Uh, we'll call it a break, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Uh, but we are bringing on a new feature uh, with this return this week. Right. We enjoyed some really beautiful weather, but last week was labor-intensive. It <laughs> certainly was. It's breaking point for me, moving uh, and spreading 17 tons of rock and gravel by hand. He was amazing. amazing. Totally amazing. amazing. Oh, <laughs> and we're, we're still able to walk. And we I, can I still think that's walk. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so explain our new feature on Word for the Week. Okay, something that kind of got me, um, it has for some time, but I think being off just kind of um, helped us percolate this a little bit is that there's so many uh, memes and quips and everything out there. And they're very clever, but, uh, you know, you look at them and say, if you really look at it with a discerning eye, are they really speaking the truth? So I thought, boy, wouldn't it be worthwhile to maybe every now and then, not all the time, but just uh, take a break where we're uh, from the normal thing? Because normally it's a extension of Sunday. Right. So instead of being an extension of Sunday, it's its own little thing where we take on some meme or quip somewhere and say, okay, is this really a logical thing they're saying? So that's right. what we're doing. Yeah. So today is special little all by itself. Right. And uh, and we might say it's a way to stretch our minds by doing some critical thinking. And by critical thinking, you don't mean negative and critical, but discerning and logical. Right. We, we, like Dr. Spock. Uh, yeah, we, or Mr. Spock. <laughs> Mr. <yeah>. Spock. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Spock, we would become oh, yeah, juvenile. Right. <laughs> Mr. Spock, we become Vulcans. And that's what we're after is becoming a little bit logical. That's <laughs> what we're after. Uh, and we're going to look in close examination to see if something, even though it's clever, is it true or is it a fallacy? Ah, well, what exactly is a fallacy? Okay, a fallacy, uh, just to get everybody on the same uh, playbook here, mm -hmm. a fallacy is a notion or an argument that sounds reasonable on the surface, but is actually based on a, or a falsehood or at least in faulty reasoning. Hmm. And that faulty reasoning in whatever argument you're presenting, it, it may be misleading, uh, by accident, or it may be on purpose, or it may be even out of ignorance. But the, the fact is, it is not truly as logical as it appears on the surface. Okay, well, how do you determine if an idea is a fallacy? Well, those wild guys of rhetoric <laughs> and debate way back, wild and crazy guys. Wild and crazy. Uh, the ancient <laughs> Greeks uh, wrote the uh, playbook on this, and of course we've added to it mm -hmm. in modern times over the year because as they debated, you need to say, when is something actually a logical or reasonable thing to say and when it's not? So they came up with approaches. They said, this is not actually logical. And so there's a number of categories and there's a number of labels on, mm -hmm. on basically approaches to an argument that may seem 
reasonable on the surface, but in fact, they, they actually don't get to the truth. Well, give us an example. Okay, well, an example, um, and most of the, the old classics where everything else is based on end up with a, a fancy Latin name to them, mm -hmm. which is interesting because it did start with the Greeks. But an example of a fallacy is something that would be labeled, it's called ad hominem, ah. and it literally means to the person. Well, how does that work as a fallacy? As a fallacy, as getting to the truth of something, um, uh, it means, in this case, an ad hominem is a, is a fallacy where you attack the person, not the claim or the premise. Uh, I'll give you an example. Say, say uh, Joe Blow says, uh, my claim is the sun is a star. And then Bill counters in his debate and says, the sun is not a star because... Everyone knows Joe is a pathological liar and he never tells the truth. Therefore, his claim is not true. So I, I see what what Joe is or is not doesn't change the truth. Truth of the claim. Yeah. Right. So we and we certainly see a lot of that in politics. <laughs> yeah, you're going to see a lot of that. And, and it's not to say that fallacies, well, you can tell from politics, not to say that fallacies aren't effective or compelling. In fact, they are effective, and that's the whole point. Right. It's just not the truth, mm -hmm. or the truth at least to the question that's in focus. So fallacies can appeal to the emotion, to personal bias, the misdirection, or straight-out deception. Mm -hmm. uh, but the bottom line is, it's that thing where you maybe I can't put my finger on it, but that's something wrong with that mm -hmm. argument. Right. And so the goal of social media isn't to reveal truth, but to see how many hits and upvotes a person can get. So mm. with all the deception, you know, you had better discern the truth yourself. Yeah. And, and you know what? Discerning it and even able to articulate to yourself and others, this is not true because, and you're not being emotional about it, it's just subject or objectively speaking right. this is not true because so yeah tragically uh, that's the truth so the currency of social media is not truth uh, for the most part but popularity and so you better you better know well, okay so that being said what's what social media quip caught your eye today? Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing with this is uh, <clears throat> we're not going to do this all the time. It's when we catch a good one, we may take a break and, um, uh, you know, talk about whatever one it is. Mm -hmm. Now, the one that uh, caught me today, if I finally stopped scrolling in bad spots here so I can <laughs> see where I'm going, the one today actually dealt <laughs> with this um, interesting little quip there there's a picture of a, uh, a conquistador if you will um, and he's talking to a Mayan chief this conquistador is saying to the Mayan priest without us you uh, would still be worshiping the sun which brings us to the title which you said is the Mayan chief says in response dude the sun is real so well, uh, so let me ask you. So okay. if you see this little cartoon and you get mm -hmm. the this kind of pompous conquistador going, or you'd be worshiping the sun and the response is, dude, the sun is real. What do you think the writer is trying to get at in that little cartoon? I would take it it's a slam on believing in a God you can't see. Mm -hmm. And at least the Mayans were worshiping something that was a physical certainty. So right, I guess yeah. 
they were trying to make religion look silly and illogical, I guess. Okay, yeah, and and which is that's with memes. That's the kind of the thing you you push the buttons wherever you can, mm -hmm. uh, and and you have to admit if you're being completely objective uh, at first impression, it's it's kind of compelling, uh, little argument in in a quip and. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and clever. It's it's quite clever the way it's it's laid out. So how does it hold hold up in that closer look? You know. Yeah. So there's the uh, first the discerning, impression. Yeah. As we discerning just, mind. Well, at a closer look, it's it's fascinating, uh, really, because the pivoting word to that makes all of this work is the mm. word real. Mm. Now uh, that's an interesting term to use from an atheistic standpoint. Well, let me read a definition for real. Real. Mm -hmm. First, actually existing as a thing or occurring, in fact, not imagined or supposed. Mm -hmm. Two, of a substance or thing, not imitation or artificial, genuine. Example, the earring was presumably real gold. Now, the word real just um, uh, reeks of the idea of absolutes. As a mm -hmm. matter of fact, uh, to have something be real, there has to be absolutes. Now, why that is um, uh, fascinating is because absolutes are the opposite of relativism. Right. And there's an article here by Stephen T. Davis called Thoughts on Atheism and Relativism. Here's a short piece from his article. I'll see if I can say, keep saying relativism. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you are an atheist, you can embrace any moral point of view that you want, even moral Relative, relativism. Mm -hmm. Morality is relative to individuals. If you think murder is morally right, then murder is morally right, but only for you. The person who thinks that murder is morally wrong is also right for mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. My point then is that atheists are free to embrace ethical relativism if they want. I'm not saying that all atheists are relativists. The point is that their worldview allows them that possibility. And the advantage here is that if you're a relativist, you can embrace any moral point of view that appeals to you. <laughs> right. And, and if you think of it in practical terms, um, relativism expands beyond mere ethics. It can be used for reality itself. If you uh, look into any modern philosophy, um, you are or things are what you prefer, what you personally perceive. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, that I mean, that's what's fueling the whole uh, gender issue that's going on today is yeah. simply based on the fact that truth is relative. Yeah. And I was thinking of the example in the definition of real. Mm -hmm. Maybe the way to test a relativist is, is to bring them to a jewelry store. Yeah, let them put their <laughs> money where their mouth yeah, is. Imagine right? this, this couple goes in and, yeah. you know... She, she's engaged and, uh, you know, she's picking out her diamond. Is that ring real gold with a real diamond? And imagine the jeweler answering, well, it is for me. But this looks like copper. <laughs> oh, no, for me, it's gold. You know, it's a, and, and that's what you're going to pay for. Yeah. So, yeah, let's see, see how you feel about uh, no absolutes in that case. Mm -hmm. You know, but all kidding aside, and as I said, we look at it, um, Gold is on, if you remember from your high school science, is on the periodic table. It's an element. If you're really good, and, and I can kind of <laughs> fake it and say, I remember it's number 79, the <laughs> atomic number, or AU for gold. But the truth of it is, is that of all the billions and billions and billions mm. of, of atoms that exist in the universe, only this 
specific mm-hmm. um, configuration of electrons yep. is gold. Anything else is not gold. Right. This and this only. I mean, that that's getting to, into very profoundly particular and absolute. Right. So, okay, back to the cartoon then. How is the sun... The sun is real, not a good argument. Yeah, because here we're talking about how is reality. Well, right. besides the kind of a curious use uh, for for the atheistic view where they're relativist for the most part, the sun isn't uh, being real is not the question. I mean, we wouldn't dispute that, right? The right. sun is real. Yeah, right. you can see, touch, feel. Well, maybe not touch. Uh so that's not, as a matter of fact, we've uncovered a lot of absolutes about the sun, haven't we? Right. And here's, here's a few. Did okay. you know the sun is 99% of the total mass of our solar system? For an earthling, that's everything. <laughs> the sun is everything. Its gravity is 27.9 times that of Earth. That's enough to affect our tides from 90 million miles away. Heavy, man. Yeah. And... Um, here's another fact. Okay. Absolute fact. The sun is a nuclear furnace that mm-hmm. produces 118 trillion times the energy of the U.S. that the U.S. uses in a year. And it generates that much power every second. Hmm. Every second. Oh my goodness. Um, fact. The sun's diameter is 865,000 miles, big enough to fit a million Earths inside it. Huge truth. And fact... The sun is composed of hydrogen and helium. That's what fuels that nuclear furnace. Yeah, so, and getting back on the whole thing of the absolutes, for us right now, anyway, we have 118 elements on the periodic table, mm-hmm. and yet there are, granted, there's a few traces of things in the sun, mm-hmm. apparently, but only of those 118, only these two are what fuel the nuclear furnace of the sun. They are absolutes that allow the sun to be the sun. That's right. right. It's certainly impressive at a mind-blowing level. <laughs> right. You're right. I mean, so we're not we're not questioning uh, what the sun is real, but it means then there are absolutes about its reality. And the sun is a significant cosmic force. But now comes the question that's alluded to or snuck in in the cartoon, but is the sun divine? Hmm. Now, there are a number of attributes that make the divine divine. Right. Here are just a few. Maybe you could explain each one as we listen. As we go along. A deity must possess personhood. Right. And and the sun is powerful, but we're starting there. It's an impersonal force. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have a personal identity. identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not self-aware. It doesn't have um, self-determination. It doesn't have a self-identity. It doesn't have those things that make a person a person, right. even a divine person. Right. Okay. And second one, perfection. And this, of course, uh, many religions, but especially Judeo-Christianity, the whole thing of God being God is that God is perfect in everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely perfect. Perfect understanding, uh, perfect goodness, perfect mm-hmm. holiness, perfection is part of God. The right. sun is an amazing thing, but it's not really perfect. It's, it's not imperfect. It's, it's just mm-hmm. not... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely said, my dear. <laughs> okay. Uh, next is omnipresence. Okay, a, a divinity would be omnipresent, basically saying that it's everywhere at the same time. It's present everywhere 
and, and really, if you expand that a bit, not just everywhere, but every time mm -hmm. at the same time. So uh, really beyond time and space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Couldn't do that with the sun. We'd be no, in the trouble. sun. Yeah, we'd be in <laughs> very big trouble. Um, okay. Um, I, I'm, uh, you want to say omniscience, don't you? Yes, omniscience. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kath, omniscience uh, basically is being aware. It's it's understanding everything everywhere at the same time. And, of course, you put that with perfection, you're understanding everything everywhere at the same time perfectly. So, yeah, that's that's divinity. Okay, then omnipotence. And omnipotence is not only are you everywhere and understanding everywhere perfectly all the time, you were able to control, um, manipulate, sustain everything everywhere at the same time and no limit to your power. Okay, eternity. And this is a big one in that um, a, a transcendent God, among other things, transcends time. Mm -hmm. Understanding the beginning from the end um, uh, never ending, actually. So mm -hmm. it's very, and that does away with a lot of arguments of who created God and all of this. Is uh, eternity has no beginning or end, right? Self-existence, and that ties in with the eternal and the idea that self-existent. And there it is. That is the name um, uh, first revealed to the Jews. Uh, way back in the Old Testament, what's your name? I am, mm -hmm. you know, uh, essentially Yahweh, uh, meaning the self-existent one. Mm -hmm. Nobody made God. Um, he depends on no one or anything for his existence. He simply is, cannot be created or destroyed. All right. And lastly, transcendence. And we touched on that. The idea, and this is where pan pantheism is where you turn nature Mm -hmm. uh, into God, mm -hmm. and, and it fails because in the imperfection and the impersonalness of nature as a whole, it, it just doesn't work. God um, isn't nature. He's the creator of nature. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> to be the creator of something, I think one analogy that's used a lot is you can have a beautiful rocking chair, uh, and, and you know that the rocking chair didn't make itself and another rocking chair didn't make the rocking chair. It mm -hmm. took something greater than the rocking chair to make the rocking chair. And right. that's the idea. You have creation, but to have creation, you must have something greater than creation to create creation. Right. So that's um, right. all of these things are what make um, divine attributes. Now, we already we concede that sun is real. And the sun is uh, very, very impressive and powerful, but it doesn't contain the attributes of divinity. It's not divine. That's right. That's right. Now, you mentioned earlier that fallacies have labels and categories, lots of them. So which ones would you apply to this clever cartoon? Well, I mean, there are so many, but we'll mm -hmm. just stick with three of the many, many that uh, <laughs> we okay. could apply. Which ones? Okay, here we get into a little bit of fun. The first fallacy I'd, I'd call proving too much is mm -hmm. what the fallacy is called. It comes a uh, version from a fancy a classic, uh, of course, so it has a Latin name, mm -hmm. reductio ad absurdum, or <laughs> uh, reductio, depending on how you speak. And the argument is basically that something is overgeneralized and made to be the conclusion. Mm. Now, 
it's fair to assume from where we know we're speaking from an atheist point of view that the Mayans, and this is implied, the Mayans at least had a better argument for God. Hey, dude, at least it's real. Mm -hmm. But it's understood from the atheistic standpoint that even as good as the argument was, and they would say, hey, this is maybe the best argument. Here's mm -hmm. empirical evidence that even that doesn't hold up that it's taken for granted. There is no God. So even the Mayans are mistaken. Mm -hmm. So the overgeneralization where the proving too much comes in is this. Since the Mayans are wrong about divinity, everybody is wrong about divinity. It's generalized to any concept of the divine at all. So mm -hmm. the fallacy proving too much doesn't meet uh, truth. <laughs> and and overgeneralization. So what else? Okay, yep. The overgeneralization. The next one is the argument from incredulity. Now you Ooh. doubt my my <laughs> uh, but I I promise that's correct. Okay. Uh, but let's say it's simpler. It's the appeal to common sense is the fallacy name. Okay, so how does that go? Um, well, a version of it uh, basically is this, in a nutshell, it comes down to this. I can't imagine that such a thing is true, therefore it is not true. Okay. Um, so I think I see how that applies. The cartoonist can't imagine a transcendent God you can't see directly. Right. So the cartoon just assumes such a God that couldn't exist. Right, and that's basically yeah. what's being said. And uh, uh, in in pure logic, it's not that the cartoonist is wrong, if we're just looking at it logically. It's just that he has not proven anything. It's simply his personal bias. I can't imagine it, so it doesn't exist. Okay, your last fallacy. Okay, and this is, and name is a favorite of mine. <laughs> the fancy Latin for this one is argumentum ad lapidem, but it, it translates Say that to, three times. Yeah, say that three times uh, while you're patting your stomach and rubbing your head, <laughs> or the other way around. Uh, the meaning of it, though, I love it. Appeal to the stone. Appeal to the stone is the yeah, name of the fallacy. That's an intriguing name. <laughs> yeah, it what is. What does it mean? Well, in, in this approach, it's that you automatically dismiss a claim as absurd uh, without demonstrating proof of, a, of its absurdity. So it's kind of a variation of, of the other one. Uh, yeah, it's related to the second fallacy, isn't it? Right. The, the cartoon's meant to make belief in a Christian God look absurd. Uh, that's what it's all about. And, and we can assume uh, an assumption here is the, the cartoon's a Spanish conquistador. So um, a Catholic going, you know, the Catholic mm -hmm. Church coming out of the Middle Ages. So a Christian God. And so the Christian God is made to look silly is, is what they're getting mm -hmm. at. And like I say, it's not to say the cartoon isn't clever or funny because it is or that it's compelling. It's just that it is not actually a reasoned out truth. So I have to say it has to go in the old bucket of fail, <laughs> fallacy failures. Ah, okay, well, speaking of the sun, Scripture offered this godly advice to the Israelites shortly after they were miraculously freed from Egypt. Deuteronomy mm -hmm. 4, 15 through 20. Right. You saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. 
Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully so that you don't become corrupt and make for yourself an idol, an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman or like any animal on earth or any bird that flies in the air or like any creature that moves along the ground or any fish in the waters below. Mm. And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon and the stars, all the heavenly array, don't be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things the Lord your God has a portion to all the nations under heaven. But as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron smelting furnace, out of Egypt, to be the people of his inheritance, as you now are. Right. Now, uh, honestly, when I, I was reading this, what really gave me pause was the opening line, because uh, the opening line sets up the, the, everything else as, as one um uh, Bible student says is when you see the therefore, you pay attention to what it's there for. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and the line is, you saw no form of any kind, mm. therefore watch. So what was what was being said there? And, and really what it was is this line is actually a warning against uh, the very thing the cartoon is putting up. This is what God is really saying. He says, when I appear to you as in fire... It wasn't in a physical form. It wasn't. It wasn't a a person or an animal or even the sun. Something, and the reason I came in something you saw but without form was this: is then you wouldn't be tempted to make a graven image of that and then reduce a transcendent God into um, some graven image of some kind, which we people tend to do. Mm. Uh, he, he's staying with the, the, the point that the, the Judeo-Christian God makes no sense. Uh, the reality of him is lost if, if we turn him, reduce him to something in the physical wor world. God is, not, is found in nature, but God is not nature. He's the creator of the creation. Right. So God is real. And in fact, in an even more profound way than the sun is, uh, and that is what real divinity is by definition. Mm -hmm. So let's change topics now. Yeah. So while we were away, our musical friends, Mark and Sally, carried on some of the worship with gospel music. And mm -hmm. here's their rendition of a song by a legend in country music, Bill Anderson, the song Light at the River was first released in 1967 on Anderson's album, I Can Do Nothing Alone. So here's Mark and Sally. Enjoy and be blessed, and we'll see you next week. There's a deep solid river on just me And it wanders her deep and wide The sees a line, yes, a beckon me line
You can also catch our live stream on Canaan Community's Facebook, YouTube, or your favorite podcast app.